This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Three quotes to frame up this week's show for you. Peter Drucker, the infamous management consultant that is credited by Business Week magazine with inventing, well, management, said this, the best way to predict the future is to create it. It was Max McKeon who piggybacked Mr. Drucker and said, entrepreneurs don't believe the future is predictable, but they do believe they can create the future themselves. Lastly, it's probably the statement President Obama is most famous for when he inspired us with the idea, change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. The true test of leadership is the ability to create positive change. And some do create change by chaos and not design. Today, we will discuss a project that is uniting community-based organizations with similar missions to have greater impact together. We will discuss a project that rebrands food banks as business partners rather than just charity, and how the project is building a model that addresses racial disparities in a meaningful way. Our guest today is our own Dr. Dawn Opal, General Counsel, Director of Research and Strategic Initiatives at the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Dawn joins Jerry and me next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson joins me and Dr. Dawn Opal, our General Counsel and Director of Research and Strategic Initiatives at the Food Bank Council. Dawn, welcome back to the show. You you know, you were a guest before you came to work at the Food Bank Council. So, welcome back. Well, thank you. This is like home by now. I mean, <laughs> I'm really excited to get to, you know, check in, touch base. Well, you've got so many great things going on. we got to keep bringing you back. And so thanks for your leadership since you've been with us now well over a year at the Food Bank Council. And, um, and I, you know, Jerry knows as the chairman of the board the, the great project that you've started down with South Michigan Food Bank and, and Peter Vogel and his team there along with Grace Help. So let's dive into the deep end of the pool right there and tell us about the project and partnership that you've established between South Michigan Food Bank and Grace Health. Sure, I'm pleased to be able to discuss it today uh, because we've just got a really good community-based team in Battle Creek um, that began with uh, the relationship between Peter Vogel uh, at South Michigan Food Bank and Peter Chang, who is the executive director of Grace Health, which is a federally qualified health center that serves uh, the Battle Creek and surrounding areas. And uh, for those who aren't familiar with a federally qualified health center, uh, they are uh, mission driven. So to serve the community without uh, uh, an understanding of the ability to pay without regard to the ability to pay, and they offer comprehensive slate of services, so medical, dental, uh, uh, you name it, and have a pharmacy on site. 
so, so what we really started putting this partnership together, looking at um, really how we can serve more people better together. And so what that became was what we're calling the uh, Fresh Food Pharmacy at Grace Health, which uh, allows for full clinical integration of, of, of food insecurity as a social determinant of health, meaning that if a patient screens food insecure, they can receive a prescription for a healthy, fresh grocery box uh, to be home delivered every other week uh, for six months to start. And with that, also receive healthy lifestyles coaching that includes cooking, health and nutrition, uh, wellness classes, and uh, uh, and recipes to cook, to mix and match and uh, cook those grocery items. So we have just gotten started uh, enrolling patients, and we're very excited about the response from the community and the growth that we're seeing around uh, addressing food insecurity in the Battle Creek area as a result of this partnership. So we're now looking at um, further integration with the schools, with other community organizations, and really thinking about the way that this fresh food pharmacy can touch the lives of more people in the Battle Creek area. Jerry, years ago when you started in healthcare, is this something that you dreamed of and imagined? <laughs> well, I, I suppose I can say some. <laughs> I, I think that I think that one of the things that we keep learning is the more we learn, the more we adjust, the more we take into account how systems actually work, and the more we, you know, move on to the next step. I mean, what I see happening here is we took an idea that came from healthcare itself, and that was the triple aim of healthcare. And we took that idea of, you know, better patient results, better community results, and better financial results, all those things combined, and said, there's got to be a way, if you take that triangle and you put healthy food in the middle of it, that should create better patient results, better community results, and better financial results for healthcare. So when we got started, that's what we were building our innovative ideas around. Um, now, what you realize once you start down the path is that there's a lot of systems already in place that don't have healthy food in the center of that triangle. There's a lot of other things in the center of that triangle. In fact, they added another angle, and it's now kind of a square, that has to do with attracting talent in terms of doctors and other things that are part of, you know, the, the aims of healthcare, right? So, so fundamentally, we've also seen that the, the energy around the social determinants of health rises and falls depending on what other crises are being dealt with at the time. We've also seen a lot of competition for healthcare dollars from important things like new devices that have to be implemented into systems and 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 COVID completely turned everything on its head in terms of what what uh, healthcare professionals had to deal with on a daily basis. And so because it's a huge system and there's a lot already happening, we've learned that even though Everybody involved that we've ever talked to agrees healthy food belongs in the middle of that triangle of better patient outcomes, better community outcomes, and better cost. There's no way to get there from here without a lot of effort. So what we have now is several pilots that have been done around the state of Michigan to get at, well, what can we do 
And I, I think this one is one of the most exciting. And it's, it's one of the most exciting in part because the idea that food should be part of a treatment plan and the patient should be um, engaged not as a needy person, but as a person that has health concerns for which food is really important. And so if they don't have the resources at home to get the food they need to be healthy, you have to address that as part of their treatment plan and, and not blame the patient, right? But rather say whatever the patient needs to be healthy is what we have to be committed to providing. And that philosophical change is significant because it changes the whole conversation around what is it we're trying to do in healthcare, right? We're not providing fees for services or providing services for fees. I got that backwards. We're, we're not providing services for fees. No, we're trying to make sure that the people that come to us get healthy and stay healthy. And you absolutely need nutritious food to do that. So I'm, you know, my enthusiasm for what this project could represent in terms of practical steps forward that align the work of food banks with the work of healthcare in the right way that systematically address who pays for it and how much they pay for it and for how long, all those very practical concerns that get in the way when you're trying to change systems. I, I just think this is a really, really positive step forward. I absolutely agree. And I think that where Jerry was going toward the end is the real crux of the work that I am doing on the project, which is its sustainability and its replicability um, across the state. And I think that that's where things get tough because no one would disagree that if someone eats healthier, their health outcomes will be better. That is actually true for everyone. <laughs> and so there is, there's no um, you know, surprise when the evaluation of a program shows that um, that if you eat healthier, you know, better access to food, behavior change around healthier eating and preparation of food, um, you, you know, more water intake and all of these things that really that are really important um, will will improve your health. But the part that's hard is understanding who's going to pay for it over time. And um, and often we really are at the at the food banks really charged with answering the question, why should healthcare pay for the food? And so part of what we have to look at is making that value proposition very transparent. And so part of what my work is on the project is with regards to its research and evaluation to understanding who, what's in it for whom when we do something like this. So the return on investment and really looking at the ways that we can pull different levers in value-based care to find the right uh, sort of pitch of who pays for what, where, at what part in this very complex healthcare system. Yeah, I, I well, you know, going back to the triple aim of healthcare, I haven't heard that in a couple of years, Jerry. Uh, so that brought that flashback memories there. But then to see that this project as, you know, I mean, you're talking about an, uh, an industry that's one fifth of the entire economy. It can't be anything but complex. But I'm glad that we've got you two to help sort through this very complex, multi-leveled prog problem. 
And we're going to continue to unpack it on the other side of this break with Jerry Brisson and Dr. Dawn Opal. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're all three back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Dawn Opal joins us here on Food First Michigan. She serves as the general counsel, the director of research and strategic initiatives at the Food Bank Council of Michigan. We're happy she is a part of this work and leading it. And Jerry, you have uh, an issue that has been brought to light during COVID um, in, in, in a spotlight, I should say, um, that's always existed, but certainly the pandemic has shown us a lot about this particular issue that is directly related to this project and healthcare in general. Well, yeah, you know, one of the things that Don said uh, triggered um, the whole issue of health disparities. And, and one of the learnings of, of the COVID pandemic has been not only who gets sick, but how frequently and how much harder it is to recover from whatever that sickness is, whether you're looking at mortality rates or just stays in the hospital or whatever. And what you find is low-income people have significant disadvantages in the current healthcare, um, oh, the way things work, right? There's a lot of different reasons why that's true. Um, and I certainly don't want to paint a picture that healthcare isn't aware or doesn't or doesn't try to manage this. They obviously do, and they need to. And I, there's a lot of great people with deep concerns about the the realities of this. But the reason I bring it up is because Don said, "Who should pay for this? Right? Who should pay for this?" And and one of the things that I think we have to grapple with is that food is medicine is a truth. It's real. It's it's not a ploy to try to shift funding from one thing to another. Food is, is as critical as insulin to a diabetic, right? But we think about the responsibility for food laying at the feet of the individual. And so we see individuals as either successful or not successful. We see individuals as worthy or not worthy when it comes to providing a basic need like food, where we would never even have that thought if it were insulin. If you're a diabetic and you get insulin, you ought to have that. There's no question of, do you deserve it? There's no question of, is it your fault that you're a diabetic? I mean, it, you're, you're a diabetic. You're going to get the medicine you need. And you can apply that to almost any um, healthcare environment. If it is a pharmaceutical, or if it is a procedure, there's no question of worthiness. But if it's food, there's huge questions of worthiness. Well, why should I pay for this? Well, why should you pay for a new heart? Why should you pay for an artery or a vein? Why should you pay to splint somebody who has a broken leg? Why should you pay for anything in healthcare? Well, that's a ridiculous question. And I know I'm simplifying this, but the honest truth is food is medicine. That is the exact point that we're trying to make. Now, we're not trying to say healthcare should be responsible for the social service safety net for everyone all the time forever. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is when it presents a serious health condition, 
for which food is the answer. Healthcare should pay for it just like they pay for everything else. And the payers should add it to their list of things that are allowed to be paid for. And taxpayers should participate in the way they participate in every other aspect of healthcare. So this isn't some wackadoodle situation that makes no sense. This is the logical thing you do when you know the answer to a problem and it's in front of you. You have research-based evidence that says if you don't do this, people are going to be sicker, longer, it's going to cost you more, and it's going to create horrible suffering in the community. Yeah, but do they deserve it? Are you kidding me? Anyway, Don, what do you think? <laughs> so, I'm really happy you get to follow him after that <laughs> tirade. So... Well, I will say that I think part of what the question of food security and the social determinants of health raises for health care is gets back to something Jerry said earlier, which is what is the goal of health care and as a as an industry? And if the goal is to have healthy people, then Jerry's tirade makes a whole lot of sense. If the goal is to uh, to in, in a fee-for-service model where we rack up expensive procedures, medications, you know, that the goal is to provide uh, a, a patient that requires a lot of services, then this doesn't hold weight. And so what happens is, I think, that the that these two, you know, these two uh, metrics of return on investment versus I think what is more of a moral or ethical imperative, it becomes difficult to have the conversation because you start talking in, in two different sort of la layers of discourse. And so if you say that you should do it because it's the right thing to do, that puts us in a conversation that I don't think uh, gets us as far as to say that we really want to participate in a healthcare system in which the goal is healthier people and a return on investment that is based in value and, and really about minimizing risk than it is about um, a, a fee for service or you know, treating sick people. And so part of it is just recasting what healthcare is for. And I think everyone would prefer to get people well than to continue to treat sick people. And unfortunately, a lot of chronic illness, which is, you know, a trillion dollar business treating chronic illness, a lot of that comes from starting from childhood, not having access to healthy food. And so that happens in, in, in areas where that food access is limited, which also happens to be low-income communities and often communities of color. And so it gets us down this road of, you know, what do we do about that? And so I think that that's where the conversation gets muddy, that healthcare is like, well, that's not all on me. But the question is really, what, are you, what is the goal of the, of the industry? And I think we're we're in some um, real Wild West times about this where I think it's unsettled, you know, sort of where we're going with American health care with this regard. And there's a lot of confusion and I think a lot of uncertainty around the role that health care will ultimately play in this work of health equity as we move forward. Let me see if I can put the, those two conversations conversations right there um didn't you guys teach me some time ago that it's the difference between that that essentially in america we have 
we put the emphasis on sick care, not health care. Not like there's no money in preventative. All of the money is being spent in caring for the sick. Uh, am I? Is that the cookies on the right shelf, or am I too simplistic? Oh, I think that's a big part of it, Doctor Phil, and I. And it's certainly um, certainly true that the the people in the healthcare system care a lot about the people that come to them, and I, and so I certainly want to make sure to make that point that in spite of the fact that changing systems to to account for what does it really take for somebody to to be well and to stay well and to cost less money for taxpayers overall and to have the kind of return on investment that Don is talking about. There's a lot of people who are in the sick care business now that would love to be in the health care business. Absolutely true. And I think, doctor, you've got that right on point. So the question is, how do we get there from here? And that brings us back around to this project. And I know, you know, we're we're taking these trails, uh, you know, to the left and to the right and around. And, you know, there's a barn in the middle of it somewhere that we got to get back to. <laughs> but uh, but going around the barn is is good fun. It's important to recognize the issues. But to get back to it, these practical feet on the ground experiences that healthcare providers have when they include food in a treatment plan that creates a better success for their business and for the community ultimately is going to help us probably more than any other single thing. It's not really a philosophical conversation unless you're not sick. It's only a philosophical conversation for healthy people. For sick people, it's life or death. And when so many prescriptions say take with food, and yet we don't consider that the person getting this prescription has no food at home. There is an obvious flaw in the way we think about the provision of food as part of a treatment plan. And that flaw has to be corrected to make progress in the cost and benefit of healthcare. Yes, I would say that, you know, a very concrete example is when, and, and, and many listeners I'm sure have, have had this experience, when your cholesterol gets high, uh, you may fall into a category of pre-diabetic and your doctor is like, that's it. You know, you need to really watch your sodium intake, your produce intake, drink more water, you know, they give you, you know, and you need to take 10 pounds off. Well, think about what that means for even someone with that has full access and the ability to purchase all of those items still can't do it. And you really think about you add the barriers to success that occur when you do not have the ability to access healthy food. And it's almost a predetermined outcome. That that, that that patient will become a full-blown diabetic or have type 2 diabetes that they'll have to manage for the rest of their lives and very expensive, very expensive chronic disease self-management that can lead to very expensive procedures. And we know that, that there's a pivotal time where you can prevent all of that from happening. And I think that that's really what we're trying to really identify is, is how to get upstream of that before that happens and to really be able to help people that cannot, that truly cannot follow their doctor's orders. Just like, just like Jerry's saying about taking food with medicine. 
Um, there's there's a number of conditions that if if only we had had a program like this fresh food pharmacy to write that script at that time, it could prevent so much suffering and so much cost to not, to the patient, to the system, to to the community. And we're really trying to really trying to get upstream of that to prevent that from happening. Well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Dr. Dawn Opal, Jerry Brisson, and me, Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here in just a moment for another segment with Dawn, so make sure you come back and join us. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Joining us, Dr. Dawn Opal, Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight, here on Food First Michigan. Dawn, this project in uh, Battle Creek area, uh, food, uh, South Michigan Food Bank and Grace Health, um, you know, it's it's a pretty unique partnership. Um, so tell me, tell us, tell our audience, you know, what's what's the outcomes? What are we hoping for? What are we measuring here? Absolutely. So this is the part that I get really excited about as a researcher because I really think that we're well poised because of this great relationship to really measure the impact of the program. And so so when a patient enrolls in the program, we gather, uh, we uh, first their A1C if they're pre-diabetic or diabetic, uh, and also weight and a few other metrics to kind of learn what will happen over the course of their their involvement in the program in terms of biometrics. Um, we're also learning about the ways that they feel about their own health as they receive food and um, coaching support. So understanding if they're adhering to their medication protocol, if they're um, coming to the doctor to their visits, you know, really um, compliance with participation in their um, healthcare regimen, um, how they're preparing the food and what they think about it so that we can learn if we're um, providing the right food at the right time for the right people. And so all of these um, inputs and outputs help us understand what not, that it's not just a food box, but it's really about transforming the life of that patient. And so, um, so obviously we want to learn uh, about their health outcomes and if um, if we've been able to uh, stabilize that patient in terms of, you know, making sure they take their medication, making sure that they're feeling better, that they feel that they're feeling better, their numbers are looking good. But then with that, we can also start to look at the return on investment, which uh, which is a complicated uh, set of, uh, of, uh, of formula because the return on investment looks different depending on what stakeholder you're really looking at. So we're working with a federally qualified health center, which is a patient-centered medical home, meaning that they get different kinds of um, value-based incentives from the federal and state government um, for for making sure that that those patients are staying healthier. So we're looking into that to to value-based incentives. Um, But I want to talk more about what I think it means for the community, um, because I think that I think that the the real return on investment is felt 
uh, in the surrounding area. So when someone uh, adheres to their medication protocol and to their health care regimen, it's, it's likely that they'll uh, also uh, utilize less acute care services, go to the emergency department less. They'll need less surgeries and less expensive treatments. So that really saves money for the health system in the outlying areas, not our little clinic. Um, and then you think about that they're probably staying at work longer because they're healthier. So, you know, you're not having health crises, so you're not taking sick leave. You might stay in a job longer or be able to be in the workforce when you when previously they weren't able to. And that may mean that their kids have better success in school because, you know, everyone in the house is well fed before they go to school. And, you know, you can start to really see the ripple effects of the program when you when you look outward in terms of what does it mean to to stabilize a family with fresh fruit, food and 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 support to make sure that they're eating and living healthy. That's awesome, Jerry. That sounds like uh, the household impact model come to life. <laughs> well, I mean that's you know what what. There's so much to celebrate in terms of the design of this program and the nutrition education that comes with the food and the recipes. I mean, one of the things I I like to say is when you go to a baseball game, you see a lot of opportunities for sausages and, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, things like that. And not too many opportunities for Mr. Carrot, right? You don't see a Mr. Carrot stand or a (laughs) Mr. Cabbage, right? Or, 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 you know, Ms. Tomato, right? You don't really see those opportunities. And, and of course, that's a picture of our life. That's a picture of who we are in community, the things that we buy and why we buy the things we buy and what makes us feel full and comfortable. The problem is a lot of the less expensive foods are also the foods that cause long-term health issues, right? And so when you start to grapple with what, what you were talking about earlier, Don, which is, your doctor says you need to exercise more and lose weight. You know, once I said to my doctor, you might as well tell me to grow wings and fly to work because it has about the same likelihood of succeeding, right? I mean, the 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 and and it's true, right? It's it's really hard to do. So the question is when the right time and the right way, the right intervention, it has to meet people where they are. It has to be uh, gently done, not done from a place of judgment or criticism. And you will find people more willing. And projects like this that save money systematically um, also make people's lives more manageable. And, and you know, when I think about a single mom with a couple kids, which is the more, the most standard profile for a person that needs emergency food is a single mom with a couple kids. And the challenges that person has to put the right food on the table for her family. And, and you think about managing health issues on top of that and the chaos and the crisis that that creates on a regular basis. Um, having these types of interventions where you get a box of food and you get a recipe to go with it and you realize this doesn't have to be inconvenient and my family can like this and be comfortable and feel full in the same way that they would if I, if I bought a hot dog or, or, or something that would be less healthy for me and for my kids. What we find is people celebrate that opportunity. They want that opportunity. They appreciate it by and large. And I think if we could find a way to take that to scale, 
um, we would find significant numbers of people willing to make those changes. But until you invest in moving those things to scale and find a way to, to, to see who wins when this problem is solved and bring those winners to the table with the resources they have so that you can actually take things to scale, well, it's going to be hard to do. So these are steps in that direction of finding a way to take to scale what we all know has to be done and, you know, meeting people where they are in the right time, in the right place and in the right ways to really relieve the suffering that's happening among low income people and actually saving money at the same time. Don, you talked a little bit about the, the ripple effect. Um, and so a lot of what you talked about were super positive things. Um, you know, the workforce, educational outcomes, uh, better health generally for the entire family. And thinking about that family unit that Jerry just talked about, a uh, single mom with, with, uh, with one or two kids or more. Um, but there's, there's an effect here that really doesn't come back to the people doing the work. Uh, you know, the, 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 the FQHC and the food bank are really making these great impact in the community and for the community, but they're really not being rewarded, certainly financially, for the work they're doing. No, that's absolutely true. And I think we have to take a moment to recognize our funders, the Michigan Health Endowment Fund and Consumers Energy Foundation uh, for assisting us. And, you know, and both of those groups and myself, right grants like a gerbil in a wheel um, in order to pay for these programs. And so I think that people need to know that, that, you know, that all of these pilots that Jerry is telling that talking about, they are all funded by, you know, many are funded by philanthropy. And so, and this is not a sustainable solution. So you're looking at, you know, I think, I think Phil knows that healthcare is a trillion dollar, you know, that, that we're looking at trillions of dollars passing, um, you know, through the biomedical sort of industrial complex. And we are gerbils in a wheel right in our grants. And, you know, and, and, and I think that what we're trying to show is that we make as much impact as a pharmaceutical that costs a million dollars, you know, but we're really trying to show that and demonstrate it. But we are definitely the little guy. I mean, we're, you know, definitely operating without the same amount of support. And um, and you're absolutely right that um, no one's turning a profit on this. I think that I think that on all of the on the food bank and the clinic side, we're looking to find the way to keep funding it, you know, and that's where I think the policy work and, you know, the work that we're doing with the Food Security Council for the governor um, is critical. Well, I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to tie it back to our previous segment where you guys had a brilliant philosophical discussion about fee for service, service for fee, and, you know, all that's involved in that, that, you know, that, and, and, you know, and I understand that it's, it's very complicated and complex, but, you know, this is a, this is a program, um, you know, so I, I, Jerry has said for years on this show that, you know, the only thing cheaper than money, uh, is food, <laughs> you know, that, I mean, it's really an inexpensive intervention when you compare it to other things. And so this is where some of that money that is being saved by through the ripple effect and acute care and emergency care, it seems like there should be a, a return pipeline to the people that are making this happen. Now, how to make that happen? 
I'm not quite sure, but it seems like it's the appropriate conduit for the flow of funding. So I get an amen there or what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is definitely the question that everyone is looking to solve in every state in the country with their social determinants of health policy. They're really looking for the way to really integrate these systems and these issues and how do we integrate the social determinants of health into clinical care in a way that everyone is re- paid and rewarded for the work to make people healthier. So um, so I know many, many, many very, very talented people who are working very hard on trying to find the answer to that question. And many of them serve on the Food Security Council's healthcare work group. Uh, and I'm very excited to be partnering with them to, to explore these possible policy solutions to these problems. Well, one of the persons that's leading this work, both here in Michigan and nationwide, is you, Dr. Dawn Opal, the General Counsel and Director of Research and Strategic Initiatives that really is concentrating on healthcare and how to solve these problems. And we're thankful for you, for your leadership, for your passion, for your intellect, for everything there is about you. And with you, we see there's hope. Uh, you got an amen to that, Doctor, right there. You're looking for one, you just got one. That's it. Dawn, thanks for being with Jerry and I today on the show, and thanks for your leadership. Oh, you're so welcome, and I look forward to coming back soon. Jerry and I will be back in just a moment to wrap up this edition. Jerry, final thoughts? I love Dawn. I love the work she's doing. I I love the project that we're building and the momentum that keeps happening. Food is medicine. Let's get this done. Time for a little food for thought. My mentor often said and wrote, anyone can steer the ship, but it takes a leader to chart the course. Charting a course to a destination, a spot on the map, well, that's easy these days. We just type in the address and directions to and from appear. But charting the course to the future is far more unpredictable. So I'm glad for leaders like Dawn, influencers like Jerry, and the other leaders of our food banks that see the future and are charting the course. That's our destination, a food secure Michigan. So don't come along for the ride, come along with us on the journey and help make it happen by helping us keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.